tangled up here. <clears throat> All right. Well, welcome to or welcome back to Tuesday Bro Tuesday. You know, this used to be a live call-in show, uh, and I just like reminding people that we tried it. Damn it. We tried it. Uh, it wasn't super successful, but we tried it. We made the effort. What we do nowadays is we sort of unpack a little bit of the news that's been going on uh, as it relates to the world of vaping, tobacco, tobacco control, tobacco harm reduction, and the such as. I am a freedom guy, first and foremost. I say that every time. I'm a freedom guy. I'm a registered libertarian, so that's the lens that a lot of this news is going to get viewed through. In fact, moreover, what we've been doing lately is having some... uh, We've been having some guests on the Tuesday Bro Tuesday program. We've had Danielle Jones on twice. We had Michelle Mitten on twice. No, we had Michelle Mitten on once. Damn, sorry. Maybe I'm just getting ahead of myself. Maybe Michelle Mitten needs to come back on Tuesday Bro Tuesday so that statement can be true. But we do have a guest today that I'm really excited to talk about. We're going to be talking all about Australia and vaping and Greg Hunt. Don't want to say that name too loud. Greg Hunt, uh, but the gentleman we have joining us today, let me just, let's build a little hype. Let's build a little hype for him. Uh, Medical practitioner with 40 years of experience, uh, now working full-time in tobacco treatment. He was an associate professor of public health and community medicine at the University of New South Wales in Sydney for the last four years. He's done loads of teaching, writing, and research in tobacco treatment. He himself is not a smoker nor a vapor, but he is the head of the Australian Tobacco Harm Reduction Association, AUTHRA. So let's hear it, everybody. Let's welcome uh, Colin Mendelson to the program here. Hi, Colin Mendelson. Nick Green. Green. Yeah, well, yeah, you can call me that too. Um, Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate, I know you're a busy guy and I know it's, in the early morning in Australia right now over there. Look, thank you so much for having me. I mean, given what's happening in the US, we really appreciate your support for Australia because yeah. we're both, both in quite a big mix. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I feel like we're and I feel like we shouldn't be. No, it's unbelievable. No, I have a science background and when you look at the evidence it's just a no-brainer. I think the evidence has been decided. Yes. But there's so much else going on. So much, many organizations who are opposed to vaping, you take that evidence and twist it and distort it and um, really undermine the, the huge benefits that this can offer. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of cherry-picking going on, you know, with a lot of this evidence. A lot of cherry-picking and a lot of this little thing sounds bad and so we're going to we're gonna – you know, magnify this one tiny, maybe bad sounding thing uh, and ignore that's, everything else. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes the, the sensational headlines. And that's what gets the clicks. And unfortunately, the media drives a lot of this and they're influenced by certain uh, not so uh, well. Uh, Scrupulous. Not respected, but they're, they're driven by people who have an agenda who happy to twist and misinterpret the information. Yes. Yeah. That's just a thing that happens. And, you know, this is in Australia. See, in the United States, we have not just politicians, but we have 
these other groups like we have pave we have parents against vaping and e-cigarettes we have all of these like sort of temperance movement type of groups that really really dislike nicotine really really dislike vaping in australia is it do you have those types of groups in australia yeah we do we do and look in australia we have this prohibition culture like you do in the u.s oh good um, where um, yeah where uh, <laughs> they they take this view that um they know best and their their their, their approach overrides the evidence uh and and that's how they run the campaigns and yes we do have groups we have in fact we have almost universal opposition in australia to vaping so the health health department the federal government our leading health bodies our health and medical associations and our health charities almost all of them oppose vaping and that's what we're we're up against yeah i mean it's uh, and it feels weird being against you know what people to believe to be trusted organizations you know when i'm trying to be on twitter and say that no the american heart association isn't being forthright with their information i sound like a crazy person yeah exactly (laughs) and look our cancer council is viciously opposed to vaping but you know the cancer research uk is highly in favor and it just shows that there's much more about this than science yeah, it's it really very much more about this than the science. It feels, I mean, granted, I wasn't around in the 1930s for prohibition or the temperance movement, but it feels a lot like that. It feels like people are more morally outraged that you would want to yeah. use nicotine than coming from any place of science. You think we would have learned by now that prohibition doesn't work? I mean, yes. how many examples do we need over the years to... To understand that when you tell people not to do something, if they really want to do it, they'll do it. And yes. the outcomes are more comfortable that way. People yeah. go to the black market and they 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 get what they want in often less harm, less less helpful ways. Yes. Yeah. And I mean we've seen this in the United States, even when San Francisco uh banned vaping and all of flavored vaping, um, it didn't really affect the youth vaping rates it didn't really affect anybody's ability to get it because like you said they they yeah. go uh, uh, you know across state lines or across the border and and get what they need or get it through unscrupulous means that's i guess right. that's what led to that's what led to Ivali. it was um uh you know criminal um supply chain based on um prohibition in certain places of, mm-hmm. of thc Mm-hmm. So that's a classic example of how when you tell people, no, you can't, uh, they find other ways which often do more harm than good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then we had a whole rash of, I'm sorry, we don't need to talk about the United States. I just get so, we had a bunch of governors because of Ivali start banning flavors and watching yeah. this from the sidelines, I felt like I was taking crazy pills. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense just an excuse for them. It's just an opportunity to, to push their agenda, even though the evidence doesn't support it. You can kind of create a case and people will be influenced because you're a governor, And but the science doesn't support the sorts of responses they've made. No, not at all. Not an, and, and, you know, unfortunately, some of that bad, you know, negative news, I guess, makes its way to Australia. I've even seen uh, politicians in, in Australia citing Ivali and lung injuries. Look, you'd be amazed. 
our health department still has on its website that vaping causes lung disease and lots of people have died in the US. Now, they put this up in September last year. We wrote to them and said, no, actually, that's not correct. We've got to up, update this because the evidence is now showing it's it's the contaminated right. THC and vitamin E acetate. We've written to them a couple of times, but it's still there. And they know it's wrong and they're leaving it there because that's their agenda. It's yeah. like the evidence just isn't being honoured in the way, you know, we would normally expect. Yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, it's, it's, I hate to think that it's some sort of nefarious, we should believe that they want what's best. You know, they want yeah. healthy citizens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I think the evidence is clear that vaping is effective and it is reducing smoking rates and it's reducing smoking related death and illness. And at the end of the day, that is the bottom line. You know, mm-hmm. the whole purpose of this campaign is to save lives. And, yeah. you know, they'll focus on little trivial and often potential concerns, yeah. but miss the bigger picture, which is about the millions of people who are going to die from smoking who could be helped. And, yeah. you know, it's quite, it's quite criminal, I think. Yeah, I think it is criminal too. I think it's criminal and I think... It's interesting because, you know, we were talking about New Zealand just a little bit ago and how New Zealand is taking steps in the in the correct direction as far as vaping and harm reduction goes. And then Australia right there is not. And it's kind of like that. You know, Canada is taking better steps for vaping and tobacco harm reduction. And then right underneath the United States, we're not. It's frustrating yeah. being that close and seeing it going. Well, look, at, look at what they're doing. <laughs> like, look over yeah. there. Look why. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? I, I went to the I went to the United Kingdom in 2015 for a conference, and while I was over there, I met up with um, Clive Bates. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Peter Hyen, Martin Dockerell. Yeah. And at that stage, I was very interested in vaping, and really, that just what I saw over there and heard supported my passion for vaping because I've been helping smokers to quit for you know years, forty years, mm-hmm. and one of the most challenging things you do in general practice and in medicine. And finally, here was an alternative that was working for so many people that other treatments didn't work for. You would have thought we'd be jumping up and down to embrace it. Mm-hmm. And, and they are in the UK and New Zealand and, and certain other countries, but in Australia and, and in the US, um, you know, there is uh, uh, just this irrational opposition uh, based so much on, you know, political factors and ideological issues and um, vested interests and moral moral objections. It's mm-hmm. not about the evidence. The evidence is very clear. I uh, still have more evidence to, to, to find and, to, and to, we need to continue with that, but we've got more than enough now to know that yeah. this is a huge breakthrough. We have so much evidence, so much evidence, and it just gets ignored, but then, uh, you know, a Stanford study that was an anonymous online survey of a thousand kids that is treated as just, you know, Bible truth and dispensed to all the politicians and all the media outlets. And you kind of you're kind of left. And, and, and it is the media as well. I mean, we have a very hostile media in Australia. So you get all this garbage science and the media laps it up because it it, it, it fits the. The, the dominant narrative and because it gets clicks and mm-hmm. sensational headlines and mm-hmm. are, are what what uh, what they're always looking for and it, um it, it 
people believe what they read. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very hard to win the hearts and minds of the public because of that. Yeah. Well, and it's even harder now. It seems like in this, you know, whatever age, the Internet age that we're living in is misinformation and incorrect information can go out there and do the damage. And then even mm. if they even if they retract it or correct it in some way, it never mm. it never corrects. It never really corrects the damage that was already done. Yeah, some of the mud sticks. Yeah, and some I, of the I mud sticks. The fact, we're on the right side of history. I mean, we, we will win this debate. Look, I work very closely with Alex Wodak, who's a, yeah. an international in harm reduction and mm -hmm. he's been through a whole lot of these harm reduction campaigns for safe injecting rooms needle exchanges uh, condoms to prevent stds mm -hmm. every time these new initiatives are developed there is this exact same hostile opposition which is relentless it goes on for years and finally these harm reduction strategies are accepted and you look back five years later and you say, well, why didn't we do this earlier? Mm -hmm. And, and he, he always tells us that this is no different to those other campaigns. You know, this kind of emotional, moral response, uh, trivial and potential concerns being thrown up as major issues when, in fact, uh, the evidence is quite, shows quite the opposite. And, but, but over time it comes in. But the trouble with smoking is that 8 million people die every year Mm -hmm. in the world from smoking and the longer we wait we, we people are going to die because of the delay yeah yeah i mean a hundred percent i mean looking at this i've only been at this since like 2010 so maybe 10 years and i feel like we should have been in the clear by now but it's becoming more apparent to me that this is going to be another 10 years maybe longer of trying to fight for tobacco harm reduction? And, and it is a cultural thing. In the UK, they've had a strong tradition of harm reduction and tobacco harm reduction. Mm -hmm. And over there, that, that their view is very different based on that pragmatic understanding that people just can't quit. Many people just can't quit. And our job is to help save lives and reduce the harm, whether they continue to take nicotine or not. Mm -hmm. In Australia and in the UK, there's this strong prohibition philosophy where, yeah. no, we don't like the sound of that, so we're going to stop it. Mm -hmm. but of course, that doesn't work. And it leads to all sorts of unintended consequences. Yeah, but it's one of those things that I feel like they think will work. Like it's clearly coming from a place of they, they've never been a smoker, but they, yeah. they want to... Yeah you know, kind of delegate and, and legislate on what smokers can and can't do and how they should act and how they should quit. And, you know, it has nothing to do with them. Now, we're talking about a, 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 a treatment that helps smokers and does no harm to anybody else. And I, I really don't think the government has any responsibility to regulate something like that. Well, they can regulate it, but they certainly can't stop it. And they shouldn't stop it. Because it's, it, you know, it's the libertarian thing that you were talking about earlier. People yeah. have a right to good health and they have a right to choose a safer alternative. Yeah. Why is the government stopping them? Yeah, I have no idea. You know, and this is something I've said on my YouTube many, many, I mean, countless times is that I, I of course, there's going to be regulations and the products and, and the nicotine liquids should be regulated for the safety of the product only not 
the yep. consequences of using the product. Otherwise, if they did that, yeah. cigarettes would be gone. Yeah, exactly. That's the crazy comparisons. But yes, we need regulation of manufacturing and safety, proper labeling and childproof containers. Yes, yes. We need all those things which we apply to any consumer product. Uh, and you have that to some extent in the US. Yeah. In Australia, absolutely nothing. They complain about the risks of dangerous nicotine products, but they've actually done nothing to regulate it. They just say, no, you can't do it. Right. And they're not they're just not really addressing the real issue. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's do a little bit of a timeline in Australia. As far as I know, to my knowledge, nicotine vaping has always been illegal in Australia. Is that correct? Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Dang. So the, the situation in Australia is that it's illegal to possess, use, or sell nicotine uh, in Australia. Uh, and so you, you can't sell it and people have to import it from overseas. But when you take delivery of it, that's an offence. You can't possess it or use it in Australia unless you have a prescription. There is an option which allows people legally to have nicotine, but very few people get a prescription. Sure. I mean, less than 1% or 2% of our vapors in Australia have a prescription. And what that means is they're actually committing a criminal offence. And there are penalties up to two years in jail and $45,000 fines for the individual who is using nicotine to stop smoking. That's because it's not the way the government insane. says they should stop. And that's extraordinary. That That it's is really extraordinary. That is extraordinary. And, you know, I don't blame vapors for not wanting to get a prescription or just not getting. I don't think I, if I was a smoker and I wanted to quit with vaping, but I knew I had to go get a prescription to get nicotine, to get liquid, to quit smoking. That's too many hoops. I wouldn't I don't think I would well, do it either. Believe, yeah, absolutely. We believe very strongly vaping should be at least as easy to get as tobacco. And what, what our rules are doing is making it harder to vape than it is to get deadly cigarettes, which are available from tens of thousands of outlets around the country. Yeah. How can you justify that? Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. They uh, they do the same thing in the United States. In California, they've made it fiscally. It makes more sense to smoke cigarettes than it does to vape because of the excessive taxes and burdens on vaping. It's in the consumer's best fiscal interest. They'll save money if they smoke cigarettes instead of vaping. That is crazy to me. And that's one of the differences in Australia. We've got the highest cigarette prices in the world. So a packet of 20 Marlboro in Australia is $35, which in the US is about $24. Sure, sure. Yeah. A pack of Marlboro in the US is about $12 Australian, which is about $8. So yes. there's a huge financial benefit and vaping is of course very inexpensive so there's a huge financial incentive to shift but there are huge legal repercussions for lots of people so and another issue there is the social justice issue that these huge costs to smokers are mostly borne by increasingly disadvantaged people who, who have very little money fixed incomes mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. really struggling financially they have twice the smoking rates of the rest of the population. Uh, they smoke twice as heavily as the more well-advantaged smokers. So they're really struggling. And 
that's really unfair from a social justice point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really unfair. Well, and they, I mean, I know their reasoning behind raising tobacco taxes is to dissuade people from smoking. But I feel like the reality of that is that people will just smoke anyway and they'll forego buying other things in order to buy cigarettes. And that's how they justify their, their, uh, their taxes. And look, to, to be fair, increasing taxes is an effective strategy. Yeah. But once you get to the point where, you know, we're in uncharted territory in Australia. We have by far the highest cigarette prices. But what's interesting is that smoking rates are falling very slowly in spite of those high prices, in spite of plain packaging, in spite of very strict tobacco controls. So these measures are not working. You kind of reach a point of diminishing returns when no matter how high the price is, there are people who are addicted to nicotine who just cannot stop. Mm-hmm. And they try repeatedly. And we've said, well, bad luck, you've just got to try again. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And here we have effective much cheaper alternative which is it's a criminal offense to do it yeah <laughs> yeah that's insane that's insane colin mendelson well and i remember my whole life all i would hear is Qu- quit or die right there was kind of this like quit or die mentality and then when i quit the ki- the government kind of went well not that way you know don't quit that not that way, not that way you know Go back to and quit yeah. The way we- yeah yeah which we use, I mean, maybe you can you know, verify this for me. The nicotine that we use in vapor products is the same nicotine from NRTs, right? It's the same nicotine that's in a patch or a gum or a something, right? There is, as you know, there is some synthetic nicotine, which is generally widely available. But, yeah, it's exactly the same nicotine. And, and what we know is that the nicotine delivered through a cigarette is actually much more physiologically half effective in terms of its uh, intensity of its activity because it's delivered very quickly and you yeah. get very high fatigue. Mm-hmm. So we know that that's more, uh, has more impact on the body. And so people are more addicted to it and uh, it's enhanced by other ingredients in tobacco smoke, mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. it more addictive. But if you get the same nicotine in nicotine gum or patches, you know, there's minimal chance of dependence. And the same with vaping. We know vaping is a, a much purer version of the nicotine without those other chemicals. And uh, the, the, the dependence on nicotine from vaping is much lower. There have been many mm-hmm. studies that have shown much easier to get off the nicotine mm-hmm. uh, as a vapor. And nicotine in itself is actually relatively harmless. Yeah. That's the, the thing that many people don't. I mean, we know the surveys in every country that show that people think nicotine causes cancer, lung disease, heart disease. Even doctors. Even doctors in the United States. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, there was that study recently, wasn't there, that found that 80% of American doctors thought nicotine caused cancer. Yeah, which is demonstrably false. Absolutely. And we've been talking about this for years, but... People associate nicotine with smoking and they falsely assume that nicotine is what's doing the damage. We know now it's not, but that message in just about every country is way off target. Does does Australia do a, you know, we have the National Youth Tobacco Survey uh, data that we get from CDC every year. Does Australia do a similar, I'm assuming, a similar type of question and answer survey among high school and middle school students? 
Yeah, we, we have we have some um, we have a survey every three years. We have two surveys, and each go about every three years. The most recent survey was our National Drug Strategy Household Survey, which is okay. done every three years. They found that uh, 1.8% of 14 to 17-year-olds had tried an e-cigarette in the last 12 months. Okay. And of those, of course, most are smokers. Most are only using them just experimentally. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the evidence shows that this is diverting kids from smoking. They're going to vaping. Who would go to a cigarette after you've been vaping? You know, any vapor will tell you that that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You know, the vaping is what you need. And these are kids who are going to smoke mostly anyway. And, um, and, and most of them are now not going on to smoking. Yes. So the problem is not, not that kids are taking up vaping because the uptake is minimal. It's that older smokers are not quitting. So in this study that was published last, uh, just last month, they found that there was no reduction in smoking rates in smokers over 40. Now, they're the ones who are at risk. They're the ones who are going to die. Yeah. So we need to get them to vape. They've, they've tried and they're continuing to try all of the conventional strategies, but they're not quitting. And to withhold an effective quitting method for them uh, on the basis of trivial and potential risks to young people is, is criminal, I think. Yeah. Look, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And I also... It's the idea that the the, trivi- the possible trivial consequences of youth uptake that they don't even really exist. No, you know they no. they're doing this based on not a lot of information. And in the U.S. in, in the National Youth Tobacco Surveys, they've found very clearly that yes, vaping rates are going up. Up, although they've gone down thirty. Yeah, they went down recently, hours. but that's not what the CDC yeah. focused on. You know. They had to focus on the scary stuff. That's right. And what they didn't focus on, which is even more important, is that smoking rates in young people are falling at historically fast rates. They've accelerated. Yeah, tremendously. 25% 25 drop in smoking rates in high schoolers in the US in in 2018. It's, It's clearly diverting kids from smoking and... That, that is our goal, and yet we, we're fighting it every inch of the way. Yeah, and then when this is something we were talking about at the rally, and I mean, this is in 2019, I forgot who I was talking to, but we were talking about youth vaping and the idea that when given the choice, a youth will choose the less harmful way yeah. to get nicotine, and nobody's, nobody's saying anything about that. Nobody's celebrating that, that, oh, look, they're instead of vilifying them, they're actually making a good decision, <laughs> you know, to stay away from combustion. Yeah, and, and, and not going on to combustion. And But we also got to remember that nicotine has a lot of positive benefits. When yeah. we know nicotine helps to helps concentration, it's good for attention, it's built to memory, helps with weight loss, mm-hmm. it can relieve anxiety and depression in the short term, mm-hmm. it helps to protect from Parkinson's disease, mm-hmm. um, osteoarthritis, a whole range of medicals. It's very good for people with schizophrenia. It corrects a lot of their mental uh, shortcomings, which are due to dopamine problems. So it, it's very therapeutic for a lot of conditions. Mm-hmm. And you've got to weigh that in, up in the balance as well. 
nicotine is good for a lot of people, has very minor harms. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that from years of snooze. I mean, people mm-hmm. who use snooze get high levels of nicotine. And snooze is regarded as virtually harmless. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no increase in any significant uh, health issue compared to non, non-users. Yeah. So, you know, the evidence doesn't support nicotine being a problem. No, of course not. It do- and even in the United States, uh, snus, general snus, I think it was Swedish match, just like this last year, got their modified tobacco or modified risk tobacco product designation finally. Yes. yes. <laughs> finally. As hard as possible. Yes. And Heat Not Burn finally got some approval. Yeah, Heat um, Not Burn. It's also reluctant and... Um, they really try to, to to undermine it as far as they can. In Australia, yeah. we had we had a, an inquiry recently about heat not burn, and we decided there was no benefit from it. There was no benefit to public health. It would just hook all the young kids. I mean, sure. the evidence was just ignored. Sure, yeah. That's a, well, and that's why. So let's move on to you have Authra. Is it? I mean, that's kind of why Authra exists. You want to talk about like how 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 this got started, Authra? So Athra is a health promotion charity started by doctors who were concerned about these misconceptions about vaping and the opposition to vaping. And we wanted to make the information, the correct information about vaping available. So our role is to educate various stakeholders, the public, the members of parliament, the health charities and other groups with the evidence about vaping. So that was our main agenda. And it's all about reducing death and illness from smoking. So mm-hmm. we, our interest is in public health. We, we have no funding from the big tobacco or the vape mm. industry. Uh, we we want to see people save lives because we can all see as practicing doctors that vaping is what's killing our patients. Mm-hmm. So we set up this uh, charity and we've been actively uh, writing reports for committed inquiries. We've been uh, using social media, mainstream media to spread the word. Mm-hmm. But I have to say the, the opposition is so hostile and strong that um, we've, we've really struggled to get the message out. I mean, we're definitely making progress, but, um, uh, you know, we're a very low-budget organisation. We, we work on the smell of an oily rag. We had some money <laughs> early on to help set up the industry, had the, um, set up the charity, and that was from the vape industry. But for a year or two now, we haven't accepted money. That's been to set things up. Now we just run. Uh, the directors aren't paid, obviously, we, and we, we take public donations. But yeah. we're, 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 we're kind of the voice of science and evidence, I would hope. Yeah. But uh, yeah. very hard to get people to in, in, in the influential positions to, to um, take notice. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've tried to put information out there, you know, as much as I possibly can. I know Bogan, uh, he, he does the, the same thing, you know, and it's a, it's an uphill battle. I mean, CASA struggles in the United States all the time with uh, people and funding. And it's just, you know, it's, it's literally a grassroots kind of thing and you're just doing the best you can uh, in a, in a well-funded world with well-funded opponents. That's right, exactly. They've got they've got public money, and if there's any suggestion that we've got funding from anywhere, that's been a very dirty campaign Nick, in Australia, as it has been in the US. Mm. After it's been smeared repeatedly, I've been accused 
on national radio and in print of taking money from big tobacco. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I watched all those videos today. Yeah, it's, it's they just, were relentless. I, I went to lawyers about some of these claims and decided, no, I'm not going to get distracted by that. I mean, I obviously have never taken money personally from big tobacco or from the vaping industry, but we're smeared with that. And it's twisted to make it look like um, we have been, we are an industry front of some sort, which is really insulting when you know, we're, we're really trying to help public health. Yeah. You know, yeah. And eventually, you know, it's like you said, eventually years down the road, it will be taken as an absolute, you know, how could you ever think any other way? How could you possibly be against lower, you know, low harmful forms of nicotine? Yeah, I mean, that's what keeps us going. I think we're, we know we're on the right side of history. And if we push yes. this through it, we'll save lives. But uh, it's it's a struggle and it's, it's very exhausting. Well, I've been doing it for five years. Um, and, yeah, we've had our ups and downs. Um, and, and lately, things have become very interesting, as you know. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. And you have a place, uh, I'm assuming if you go to the website, there's a place for people to donate if they wanted to donate money. Um, we have have a donation uh, link, but at the moment we've set up because of the crisis. At, at the moment, we've had actually set up a, a special fund at astrafund.com.au. Okay. Because what's happened recently, as as you probably know, is that our health minister announced in June that in two weeks' time it would be illegal to bring nicotine into Australia and you would have to get a prescription. Yes. Was now, this, was a, this is the newest one, right? Because before it was it, it was illegal and it was like a $200,000 fine, but that got changed pretty quickly, right? That's the one in June. Yeah, that's the one. So he said, look, if you try and bring nicotine into Australia, the fine will be $222,000. Instead, you'll have to go to a doctor. The doctor will have to get it through a wholesaler from a pharmacist. Uh, through a pharmacy, the patient gets it from the pharmacy. And it's a ridiculous set of hoops to jump through. There was a huge backlash against that. Good. There was two weeks notice for that. There was no parliamentary debate. There was no community discussion. It was kind of slipped through at the end of parliament, hoping it would just pass. But the outcry, the vapors were angry and outraged. As they as should the, be. As they were. And the even Greg Hunt's own party were very opposed to this. There was a huge backlash. Two of his members of parliament and his party set up a petition and they got 70,000 signatures in three days. And yet, which in Australia is very big. And 28 of the backbenchers, which is a large share of the backbenchers in the government's party, mm-hmm. wrote to the minister and said, look, this is wrong. You can't do this. So he's backpedaled and said, OK, we'll take a bit more time to think about it. We'll do it in January. So from January, um, what's required is... Uh, the import ban will apply, uh, but there will be importers who will be allowed to bring in nicotine. The doctor will write a prescription. The doctor needs to get approval for each patient online, wait two or three days to see if it's approved, then write a prescription. The patient goes to the pharmacist. The pharmacist contacts the wholesalers, gets supplies, they're sent to the pharmacist. Patient goes back and gets the medication or gets the uh, the nicotine—it's absolutely ridiculous. Yes. And, <laughs> and and legalized vaping—that's another advocacy group, libertarian advocacy group that we work with. 
they did a survey of smokers and 7,000 smokers, 42% said they would go back to smoking. That's just too hard. Yeah, that's way too many hoops to jump through. And 37% said they would go to the black market. So it's clearly not going to work. And the doctors are opposed to it. The AMA says they don't believe in vaping. And doctors have come out and said, oh, we don't support vaping, you know, long-term risks and youth uptake. The pharmacy guild is opposed to vaping. They said, well, we won't sell vaping in our stores, any vaping products. Right. Um, you know, it's it's going to lead to increased costs. You know, when you medicalize something like that, you know, visits to doctors, pharmacy markup, um, it's going to reduce the range of products available. So if you're using dual pods, is the wholesaler going to introduce, introduce or in, um, import all the different brands of pods? I don't think so. Right. No, certainly it's not. Really undermine vaping in Australia, um, and and it'll destroy the vape industry. Yeah. Now our vape sells devices and nicotine-free liquids, and what people do is import nicotine, mix it with the nicotine-free mm-hmm. liquids make their own liquids now that's a problem in itself because we don't want people using concentrated nicotine and leaving it lying around right but yeah because that leads to all sorts of potential risks we want we want pre-mixed nicotine in childproof containers you can buy from your local shop that's safe that's regulated and and that's common sense but the vape industry won't survive this because people will buy their nicotine through the pharmacies and then what happens to the industry, which is a really important smoking cessation service. They, they provide expert advice to people yes. and they support them and guide them and help them through this complicated journey. Yeah. And th- that will be decimated. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm a, that's why I'm a huge cheerleader of the vape community because every quit smoking, anything, any quit smoking product ever has always been accompanied by, you know, uh, with support, like, if you switch to this and you get you know support and someone you can talk to as well and vaping has become this like self-sustaining community of people all willing to help help you quit help you get the best vape your atomizer's not working here try this try these tricks you want a good liquid here's my recommendations let's get you to quit yeah yeah and And, and that's uh, why they're in it that's why they're in it and uh uh, you know, they're trying to save lives and the government's saying, no, you can't, we're going to do it. We're going to make it a medicine. And, and vapors don't feel like they're sick and need to sure. be medicalized. Absolutely. So they're, 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 this is a consumer product yep. replacing a consumer product. Mm-hmm. What's the pharmacist got to do with it? Yeah. As long as they quit smoking, our job is done. If they're vaping, who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah and if you didn't smoke you shouldn't vape but uh uh the 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 public health job is done when someone stops the combustible tobacco they want to keep vaping like they want to keep having coffee Uh, that's their business they know the risk that's their business yeah 100 percent. and it is it's important to keep it as a consumer product i mean it sounds like this process in australia it sounds like Nobody want. It sounds like doctors don't want to do it. Pharmacists don't want to do it. The vapors don't want to do it. Yeah. The smokers don't want to do it. Yeah. And this is the best solution that they can come up with. <laughs> it's just, it's a way of saying, oh, okay, well, we're not totally opposed. We'll, we'll do it this way, but we just want to make sure it's done properly. But of course, 
That is sure. the worst possible way of doing it. Yeah, and I've even been critical of, you know, as as whatever harmless and arbitrary as they might seem, the TPD in the United Kingdom, how they have the, you know, they have a nicotine limit and then they have to do short fills like where you buy a large bottle and then add your own nicotine. And sure, it's not that big of a hoop to jump through, but it's still a hoop. It's still something keeping you from it. And I don't like that. I don't want more steps between people and vaping. I want less. Yeah. And I really think they should be allowed to have high concentrations. I mean, in Australia, the trend is towards pod models with nicotine salt and high levels of nicotine. Sure. They can't use those. And in because of the TPD. And why remove one of the more effective treatments? That's really becoming popular because it's convenient. I so see you're using one right now. Uh, it's convenient, yeah. it's easy, it's safe, you're not mixing liquids. Nope. Even in the UK, when you have to mix the pre fills, you've got the concentrated nicotine. Yeah. And mixing it. Well, why, why do we need this step? This extra, one little extra step for the consumer for seemingly yeah. arbitrary reasons. Because oh, that's the rule. Because they, they just worry that, uh, you know, um, um, allowing people to buy higher concentrations will be harmful. Whereas we know it's not. Vapors titrate the nicotine. There is no risk from nicotine poisoning as a vapor. If, you know, you'll, you'll take as much as you need yes. and, and then you'll stop. Yes. Why, why limit? As long as it's in a childproof container, it's not going to hurt anyone. No. It's not gonna. It's not gonna hurt anyone at all. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's obvious to us, doesn't it? You know what's happening. What's happening in Australia, in the UK, in the US? There are, there are, there are these organisations that they just have an agenda. And you know, I, I don't think they're really looking at the evidence. They just think, well, smoking's bad, nicotine's bad. Anyone doing anything that looks like smoking, well, we've got to stop that. Um, there's certainly political risk in Australia. I mean. I know if Greg Hunt steps up and says, "Well, look, we're going to ban, we're going to allow nicotine," he'll he'll be jumped on by the Australian Medical Association, the Cancer Council, I know, yes, department. So he's got a political risk here, uh, which really should be secondary to public health. Like yes, guiding principle. And in Australia, the tobacco tax is our fourth biggest tax. Our fourth biggest tax. Wow. So, again, for the government to, I mean, we don't have the MSA here, which is a fortunate thing, but we do get a lot of money from tobacco taxes, and that's important money to the Treasury. Yeah. And so, undermining that would have political repercussions. Well, and it's money that gets relied upon. You know, yeah. year after year, if you just have smokers and smokers and you think, oh, they'll always be buying cigarettes, we'll always have that tax, and you start relying on it for things like, you know, schools or infrastructure and bridges and things like this, and suddenly that gets yanked out from underneath you, I mean, you're going to fight to get your funding back, unfortunately, at the cost yeah. of people's health. Well, that's right. And look, they don't seem to understand that the, you know, the huge financial uh, net benefit will be positive. I mean, of course, people are spending all this money on smoking, if they didn't spend it on smoking, they'd spend it on something else. So we go into the community, but um, more importantly, you now there'll be health benefits and and financial benefits to the health system, not yes. having to patch up all these sick smokers. Mm -hmm. 
No, I mean, uh, and that's the way we don't have any socialized medicine in the United States, but they do have socialized medicine in the United Kingdom where they fully embrace tobacco harm reduction and vaping because it's in their best interest to keep their citizens healthier so that they don't have that burden yeah. of, of medical. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like uh, it, people make more money off sick people than they do off healthy people. Yeah, well, we have a, a socialized system in Australia. We have what's called like Medicare, which is different to your Medicare, but the, our Medicare sure. provides government rebates to all health services and will pay for health services. Sure. So the government doesn't seem to understand that in the long term, they will save a lot of money if people stop smoking. But they're only thinking about the next election. That's the problem with politics. Yeah. Uh, they've got to get through the next budget and the next election. And the fact that in 10 years' time, we'll have saved a fortune, not to mention thousands of lives, um, doesn't seem to have a priority. <laughs> doesn't seem to have a priority at all. I mean, but why is that? Is it just political? Is it just power? Is it just money? I mean, maybe it's a complicated subject that needs a complicated yeah. answer, but there has to be a why behind it. I'm always wondering why. Yeah. Look, I think it's all those things. Um, when we look at, you know, the evidence is clear, but I think there are ideological objections. There are political objection, objections. There's financial objections, mm-hmm. moral objections. People shouldn't use drugs. There are... Um, um, what was I going to say? Um, uh, vested interests, like organisations like you sure, know the sure. Cancer Council, they, they have a, their their role is to help prevent cancer and treat people with cancer. Well, if people stop smoking, there's not going to be all as much cancer. So there are vested interests, and and the other thing in Australia is that we have certain influential tobacco control people. Who have made a career out of abstinence only. People should just quit, and all our policies have been yes. based around that. We, yeah, we didn't have tobacco harm reduction in the past, but now we have it. But the danger with them embracing this is it's kind of admitting that, well, actually, our approach has been wrong. And um, here's another method that we didn't think of that actually could help and that would, would damage our legacy. So we can't admit that we didn't think of this and somebody else has and it might be beneficial and and maybe what we were doing wasn't the best way best way of doing it yeah so there's so many going on here um, yeah. and 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 they there's all of that in the background but in the foreground they say oh but what about the kids oh and oh but there's not enough evidence oh what about in 30 years time we might find that um maybe there are harmful effects we didn't know about yeah ridiculous arguments that are not based <laughs> on evidence but they they used to justify their underlying agenda yeah there yeah well there could be problems with it later on there could be you never know they call it constantly rely that unknown it said well you know i'm thinking we've got at least 10 years worth of studies we've got i i know vapors who've been vaping for 10 or 11 plus years of this now we have that when how do we how do we get them to listen to science colin mendelson (laughs) Well, I think what we need to point out is the evidential double standard. With any new drug in Australia, they research it for three or four years and yeah. then they allow it on the market. Yes. We never know what's happening at any time. But apparently it's okay for everything else. Um, 
and but but for cigarettes for, for vaping you need to wait 30 years to be sure yeah and you know that's ridiculous yeah and, and we know we know that two out of three people who smoke are going to die from smoking and we know that vaping is bound to be far less harmful even though there are certain things we don't know we know enough to know it's going to be better we know so it, yeah. to me it's just a, and it's, it's not it's not you know, e-liquid and vaporizing it isn't a complicated thing. The e-liquid is not complicated. It's got four ingredients. I feel like if they wanted to, they could crank through some studies of these four ingredients and get some real conclusive answers, but that never seems to be the mission. Well, well, it's more about the number of ingredients in the vapor, actually. But Than in the e-liquid? There's four ingredients in the liquid, but in the va- in the cigarette smoke, there's at least 7,000 ingredients. Sure. Studies that have looked at vapor find that there are measurable levels of maybe 25 ingredients. So almost all of the toxins in smoke are not present in vapor. Those that are there are mostly less than 1% of what they are in smoke. I mean, you do not have to be a scientist to realize that this is going to be far less harmful. And you don't have to wait 25 years. It's just ridiculous. It's just a rationalization. Because we don't think people should be using nicotine, we're going to say, well, in 30 years' time, it might be a problem, and we just don't know. Yeah, well, and what happens when it's not? Are they going to have more egg on their face? Why did, you know, they'll be pointing at each other. Why did you make us wait this long? We could have been doing this the whole time. I mean, how much more foolish are they going to feel in 20 years when there are no harmful side effects of vaping? Well, I'm hoping some of the, the senior people who are, are influential in this debate will have retired by then. And the, younger <laughs> people, the younger people coming through won't have the same baggage. And, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll have this legalized long before then. But, you know, every year we wait, tens of thousands of people in Australia are dying. Yeah. Uh, and it needs to be sooner rather than later. Yeah. Now, how did you actually hear? Let me, before we ask you that, I had a couple uh super chats come in that I wanted to read. There was one question from the chat that I will read that uh, you can start thinking about. Lori said, uh, please ask Colin about making a submission to the proposed amendments to the poison standard. Is that something that's going on in Australia right now? Just recently, um, just recently, the health department asked our medicines regulator to change nicotine from Schedule 7, which means it's a dangerous poison, you can't possess it, to Schedule 4, which means you need a prescription for it. Oh, okay. It's not changed things all that much. Okay. But it's a kind of meaningless change. It, what I'm concerned about is that they didn't make the... Uh, more relevant changes, which are that, yeah, we need to regulate nicotine products. Um, What about the black market? Um, uh, You know, we're still making it ridiculously difficult for people to get nicotine. So it it doesn't really solve any problems. Our main concern is from the 1st of January that uh, it will be illegal to bring in nicotine and there'll be this ridiculous, complex and onerous and costly process for people to get vaping. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and uh... it's bad enough for the bad enough for the vapors in Australia, but there's also three million smokers. Yeah. And you know, we want to encourage them to take up vaping, but the government's putting all these barriers in the way. 
the earliest moment, and what happened, vapor, what happened that when this was announced was people panic bought nicotine. They bought in liters of nicotine. Mm-hmm. They got it in their so and they're thinking, well, I'm okay for a few years. So they've kind of lost interest in this. But we have three million smokers who could benefit from many of them could benefit from more accessible vaping products. Mm-hmm. And that's not being we've sort of forgotten about them. Nearly all of them could benefit from that. Um, hey, I'm going to read some yeah. of these super chats that came in while we were chatting there. Uh, Southern Comfort had one that says, uh, just saw the Tampa Bay Lightning roll through downtown fresh off the Stanley Cup win. And I'm psyched for the first debate tonight. Yes, Southern Comfort, I am so excited. We got the presidential debates tonight over here in in America, Colin Mendelson. It's going to be a sh- Oh, it's going to be a show. <laughs> It's going to be a show. Had another super chat here from Paul Smith. Uh, Hi, Nick and Colin. Uh, I get told by random members of the public every day that vaping will kill me. Misinformed morons. Well, watching from Kingaroy, Queensland, Australia. Well, thank you very much, Paul, for being here. I appreciate that. Uh, Ranger Man had a super chat here. Surgeon General's warning. Quitting smoking now greatly reduces MSA blood money. Yeah. And... You were talking about this earlier. You don't have any sort of MSA type of structure in Australia. We do have a very high cigarette tax. And um, it's our fourth biggest tax, as I say, which the Treasury does rely on. Yeah. Well, there's there's certainly an interest in that. Yeah. The MSA is a whole other, you know, and it's not the MSA itself that I think is, is the negative aspect to it. I think it's how the state's squandered the money that they received from the MSA and now they're going to be unable to pay back the loans they took out. You know, they're going to default on these bonds. New York is up first, I think this year that they might default on these tobacco bonds. Yep. It's a mess. California is going to be a problem too. Yeah. California. uh, You have to wonder. Yeah. Uh, had one here from the Rising Phoenix Vapory because you are most appreciated. Now, oh, thank you very much, Rising Phoenix Vapory. Appreciate that. Uh, we got Southern Comfort in one more time. Who wants to go to the doctor to get a prescription to vape and find that burning sensation is from the clap? To hell with that. <laughs> Appreciate you, Southern Comfort. Uh, Jeremy, very gracious of you. Nicotine helps my stomach. I have ulcerative colitis. It slows my stomach down and keeps me from flaring. Oh, that's very interesting. Is that a thing, Dr. Colin Mendelson? Oh, yes. There's strong evidence that um, nicotine is very helpful for ulcerative colitis. There have been trials. It's not being used therapeutically, but smokers have often said to me um, when they um, uh, stop smoking, the ulcerative colitis gets worse. And that's because they're missing the nicotine. Smokers are much more likely to get ulcerative colitis and to have it. Um, less likely to and to have it less severely. So nicotine helps. Well, wow, that's crazy. very interesting. Crazy as it actually burst and smoke does make it worse. So, yeah, this is one of the, the conditions that's protected by nicotine. Uh, and and ADHD is often people with ADHD are often much improved by nicotine. Nicotine, yeah. Well, and I know f- f- there was a, a few months ago. You know, since we've been in quarantine, I just have no concept of time. I feel like April was two days ago. You know, it makes no sense. I feel like this was a few months ago, maybe, that France was looking at nicotine as a possible protective barrier uh, against COVID-19. I haven't heard anything else about this, 
but I thought that was really uh, interesting. I haven't either, but there's been a lot of studies that show that um, smokers are much less likely to be hospitalized with COVID. There seems to be some protective effect, and there are biological mechanisms that could explain it. I think if I got COVID, I'd be on nicotine lozenges. Yeah, nicotine lozenges. As a non, so you're a non-smoker, non-vapor, but you no. worked in uh, helping smokers prior to vaping. What was your first exposure to vaping? So long and really finding it a struggle. And then I've learned to love vaping because I can see how effortlessly so often helps patients to quit who have tried for 40, 50 years, some of them, everything else, and finally vaping works. And I think it's so wrong that that isn't available to people who, who would otherwise continue to smoke. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. How, and so when did you first get exposed to vaping? What, what time frame was that? Probably around 2, 13, 14, I started hearing about it following the research. And then in 2015, I went to the UK. And in 2016, I wrote an article in, in Australia, the Australian Medical Journal about the benefit, potential benefits for vaping in Australia based on what was happening in the UK. Mm-hmm. And we've been sort of slowly struggling since then against you know, united opposition. Having said that, we actually have had some progress. So the Royal Australasian Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists uh-huh. is very strongly in support because they recognise that a lot of their patients smoke, people with mental illness, sure, and sure. they can help with their mental health problems, but then they die from smoking. And they have very, have very strong views about this. Our College of GPs and our College of Physicians have come out in support of vaping under certain circumstances where they were previously very opposed. So we're starting to make some progress. But I think the answer in Australia lies in Parliament. Mm-hmm. We're not going to convince Cancer Council Australia or our Medicines Regulator or the Heart Foundation or the AMA. We need to, this decision needs to be made in Parliament by members of Parliament who were hearing from their vaping constituents that they want to be able to vape. Yes. And if anything more to a member of Parliament than being re-elected, I don't know what it is. So if we can get our vapors in Australia, and that's, that's our main message, is to let MPs know that their constituents are very concerned about this. And like in the US, vaping is often a, a single voting issue. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you've found something that's saved your life, uh, you know, and you've got a choice between breaking the law or vaping, you'll choose vaping, and it will influence your voting decision. And in the survey I mentioned earlier of 7,000 vapors, they found that over 90% said they would uh, be seriously considering the vaping views of the party they're voting for, and it would change their vote. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's become a political issue, and our, our focus is very much on uh, making sure MPs realize how important this is to Australia. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, there are and there are a lot of vapor. You know, we always hear these exaggerated numbers of how many vapors are are in what different regions. Is there like an accurate number of vapors in Australia? I mean, smokers, vapors in Australia. Yeah, we did. Well, there are three three point nine million smokers, uh, which is uh, it's about fourteen percent of the population who smoke daily or not daily, mm-hmm. uh, which is higher than the US. We used to be much lower. But mm-hmm. vaping has really brought the American figures down. 
mm-hmm. uh, and it's 14.7% of adult smokers. But, um, uh, sorry, I forgot your question, which was, oh, yes, the number of vapors. Number it's of vapors. It's the last National Drug Strategy Council survey found that 2.5% of the adult popula- population over 14 were current vapors. That, their definition is they've vaped once in the last year or more. Sure, sure. But at least 2% have voted vaped in the last month. And that the total number of vapors is 522,000 based okay. on those figures. And that's a lot. That is and a these lot. These vapors have a loud political voice if they choose to use it. Yeah. And if they do speak up, that would have an influence on many um, electoral results. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's definitely true. And I, one of the problems I think we run into, at least in the United States, is I feel like a lot of people don't take that vape vote very seriously. You mean you the know? politicians? Yeah, I politicians. Yeah, right. I think they just right. don't take it seriously. We, whenever I email, uh, you know, any senators or politicians, Congress people, you always just get back cookie cutter form letters, you know, thank you very much for reaching out to me. Well, I, you know, I'll keep you in mind and it's just nothing. And I think they, I feel like they just don't take it seriously when you go, this is a subject that's deeply important to me. It will affect who I vote for because it's so important to me. Yeah. And that's exactly what we need to tell them. And I think in Australia, our members of parliament are listening to that. And we have a lot of support in parliament. Um, so, they're seeing through some of the uh, the, the smoke screen and, mm-hmm. and they're realizing that it's very relevant to voters and to themselves. And that's our priority. And our campaign, and I can't release too much information about it, sure, but the sure. campaign that we're seeking funding for is, is very much about correcting the misinformation and certainly supporting the politicians and making sure that they understand how important this is uh, as a political issue. Yeah. And we, and we certainly will be making videos and other other strategies we have in, in mind, but we do need we do need the donations to support that. Yeah, well, donations, pr- promotions, all that stuff. Share it on social media. Share it on Twitter. Share it all over the place because it's. I mean, it's hard as a grassroots type of organization to really get your voice heard. You know, we we try to reach out. You know to news stations or certain podcast hosts and things like this. And it's just hard to get any traction anywhere. It is, especially when the dominant narrative is opposed. And in Australia, our media is quite hostile. Yeah. So it's very hard for us to get stuff published. Not only that, our medical journal of Australia, uh, our experience has been that they've been quite biased. So several of us published a, article recently about the effectiveness of vaping and we concluded that vaping could make a huge difference to smoking rates in Australia. We submitted that to the Medical Journal of Australia. They rejected it without even peer reviewing it. The editor said, oh no, too controversial, Um, um, we don't want to go there. We submitted it to the international, no that one went to, that one went to um, Drug and Alcohol Review and and they published it. quite quickly there was i mean it was, it was it was just ridiculous it was clear clear evidence of the pattern that we've seen with the medical journal of australia where we've had stuff rejected repeatedly yeah so there's it even extends into our medical journals which is really disappointing 
Yeah, it's really disheartening, you know, especially when I see on Twitter, you know, uh, the American Medical Association, like you said, hard anti-vaping tweets, the American Lung Association. I mean, you guys, I was reading about the Australian Lung Association today and even reading that not as an Australian was infuriating. And then the British Lung Foundation, of course, is strongly in support. So yep. we're all looking at the same thing. <laughs> you know, depending on your agenda, you'll interpret it your own way. The British Lung Foundation is, is very supportive. Uh, and, and the British Medical Association, sure, the Australian Medical Association is against, but the British Medical Association is strongly supportive. The New Zealand Association medically next door is strongly supportive. Mm-hmm. So not about the evidence, it's about how loud you are and uh, how much influence you have. Yeah, that's well, that's very, very true. Do you got do you have a lot of uh, allies, as it were, I guess, in in Australia? You know, we have a few trade groups in the US, we have a consumer group, we have various professors and this, that and the other that are all kind of allying behind it. Yes. Look, we have a number of academics. One of the problems is that for them, it's hard to speak out because they get their funding from the government. Mm. Uh, unlike Abra, uh, some of the people who work talk in the US, I mean, right. they speak freely, but that is a problem. But we do have several other advocacy groups. So Legalised Vaping Australia is a yes. more libertarian um, advocacy group, and they do a wonderful job, but from a different perspective to us. Sure. We now have a retail vape. Uh, traders group group mm-hmm. who, who are doing their own thing and there is another group called the progressive public health alliance so we're all working together from different angles sure and but the great majority of public health groups are opposed the public health association of australia is incredibly opposed so you know it's a constant battle and, and with the hostile media and the hostile medical journals it is hard to to cut through yeah yeah, where I really want to try to find this. The uh, yeah, the Australian Lung Foundation, and they were talking about oh that ninety five percent less harmful. That's just a a made up thing, you know. They said yeah. that was big tobacco yeah. had a hand, and and it was only like fourteen doctors or something like this, just. Yeah. Taking, just dragging it through the mud, you know. <laughs> there was a study in 2014 of 12 experts, very well-known experts who got together and worked out, and they thought it was about 95% safer. And ever since then, well, since then, of course, Public Health England and the Royal College of Physicians did comprehensive reviews, mm-hmm. and they came to the same conclusion. But for the Lung Foundation to say, well, this just comes from this group of 12 people, it's clearly it's clearly wrong and they know it's wrong yes it's based on a comprehensive review of all the evidence by leading independent organizations yes and they keep coming up with that and because we don't have a loud voice in the media that gets heard but not our response yes i mean they they came out with all sorts of erroneous claims about vaping and because they're a respected charity people think well they must know what they're talking about right um, yeah and we wrote i wrote a blog about that and um you know it just sort of ended there uh it's very hard to get the information corrected yeah it's really hard it, uh, do you feel like the you know the the public opinion of vaping in the united states is 
pretty low. I would say at an all-time low, thanks to like California wow. Department of Public Health and Ivali and telling, you know, having these eight story high billboards that shows kids vaping. And then it says flavors hook kids. And, you know, what's it like in Australia as far as like public perception of vapor products? Yeah. Look, the public perception is that generally if you say to someone, look, I vape or I advocate for vaping, they'll say, Oh, I've heard that's more harmful than smoking. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's very common. Um, The public perception is negative. Um, Vapors get it, but um, the public, uh, unfortunately, hear all the misinformation. They haven't got time to do all the research. Yeah. Uh, and that's, it's the same in, in every country. And especially since the, the youth vaping epidemic in the US and Ivali, uh, and these are all messages are all reinforced and repeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, firms people. Yeah. And I remember when Scott Gottlieb in 2017 first said, or 2016 first said the term epidemic. And I just lost my mind. I thought that's going to catch on and they're never going to have to prove it. And they're never going to have to show the numbers. They can just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And the media will just parrot it and repeat it and repeat it until everybody just associates the term vaping with epidemic. And then the damage is done. And no one mentions that smoking rates are falling at historically rapid rates in young yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. And we I have... don't remember much about the huge drop in vaping rates in the last 12 months. It just wasn't mentioned. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have the lowest, literally the lowest youth smoking rates, I think, ever. Like in recorded time yeah. of, in the United States, the lowest youth smoking rates. And nobody seemed yeah. to care when I was in high school and I was smoking and the smoking rate was like 32% of high schoolers were smoking regularly combustible tobacco cigarettes. Yeah. And so if there was a gateway, you would expect at least the decline in smoking to slow sure. down sure. or go sure. up. And of course, it's actually going the other way. So it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. But they keep, if they say it enough times, people will believe it. Yeah. I mean, in the face of clear, low youth smoking rates, they can't keep relying on the gateway effect. They can't. But they're going to keep trying, right? They'll keep trying. And most of the regular users are already smokers anyway. But what really counts is whether these kids are non-smokers and whether they're using it regularly, whether they're vaping regularly. Know that take by non-smokers is experimental, uh, it's short-term, and most uses by kids who smoke. So from a public health point of view, it's not doing much harm. In fact, if anything, it's leading kids who would have otherwise gone on to smoking to uh, switch to, to, to try vaping instead. And some kids who smoke are now quitting with vaping. Yeah. So overall, actually, I think it's a good thing. And I shouldn't yes. say that with my kids who vape, but... Um, I think actually overall it's it's having a positive effect. It, it, it is a net benefit to public health as dangerous as it is to say it is a net yeah. benefit to public health. Yeah. Because only be, and I can only I mean I was a youth smoker and I just kept being a youth smoker until I was an adult smoker. When I was an adult smoker I just kept smoking until I was 30 plus years old and then I accidentally quit. Yeah. 
That's just the way it goes. That's crazy. We had one more super chat here from uh, Jeremy who said, I quit smoking four years ago and my ulcerative colitis flared horribly. Yeah. Instead of going back to cigarettes, I started vaping. I've been flare free for three years now. Yep. Yep. That's tremendous. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Well, someone should tell Jeremy he needs to go back to smoking and quit the right way. And <laughs> yeah, he still have, he'll still have problems. Quit he has to right take way. the nicotine. Yeah, he has to have nicotine to keep the ulcerative colitis at bay. Yeah. Um, one of the many, and, and I, there are so many medical conditions, like people with schizophrenia have very high smoking rates, and nicotine really helps them to concentrate. It helps to keep their weight down. It uh, uh, helps them to helps them with um, socialising. If they're vaping, they can when they get bored instead of sure. having a cigarette, they vape. Uh, helps them to socialise and mix with people because vaping or smoking is part of that. It really is so important for some people, and it's wrong to take it away from them. It's wrong. It's just dead wrong. Prohibition doesn't work, Colin Mendelson. Um, well, we're going to start, I think we're going to start wrapping this up here. We've been going strong for about an hour and 20 minutes, but uh, uh, what advice, do you have any advice uh, for just us regular folk trying to take part in the tobacco harm reduction fight, uh, being who you are? What's your advice to everybody out there? Look, I think certainly from an Australian point of view, I think we shouldn't give up. Uh, but from the US as well, not to give up. I think we need to influence the policy makers and show them that, yes, we vape and we vote. And that, I think, has got to be influential. There's a lot of vapors in the US now, about mm-hmm. 13, 14 million. Mm-hmm. And in marginal areas, it's going to make a difference. I think vapors need to contact the media whenever something comes up to influence public opinion, ring in on talkback radio. Mm-hmm. Um, sign petitions, donate to organizations that support them. I think there are practical ways that they can help, mm-hmm. but uh, it's going to be a slow process because there's a lot of resistance. But we will get there in the end. I think we, we shouldn't give up because yeah. there's so much at stake. And from other harm reduction campaigns, we know this will win. Uh, it's a disruptive technology. Disruptive technologies always win. Uh, harm reduction strategies almost always win. Almost. Uh, you said you. almost in there, Colin. There was one in Australia, the heroin trial, which was proposed, which would have given people clean heroin and it was rejected. But just about everything else has been successful. Yeah, uh, sure. If you wait. If yeah. On it, it's just going to be a slow bad. process. And I mean, a lot of that slow process, I mean, is because of the government it's at least in the United States, it's because of the government. Yeah. California has tr- been trying to ban flavors for the yeah. better part of 10 years now. They still haven't succeeded yet, completely succeeded yet, but that doesn't keep them from trying. And just the fact that we've been fighting a California flavor ban for 10 years kind of just goes to show me that this is, it's just a long process and there's no way around it. There's no quick answers, you know? Yep. Damn. Damn. Well, we got to keep fighting the good fight. Uh, what about specifically to Australia? If you wanted to speak to Australian vapors, what what motivation would you give them to do in Australia? I think the key thing for Australian vapors is ring, uh, email, or um, 
right to or visit their federal MPs, so the federal members of parliament, because the decision will be made in parliament. And parliamentarians need to know how important it is. Uh, they're only reading the newspapers, they don't have the facts, they're often not well informed. But here there are enough people who have quit smoking in their electorate who are going to vote mm -hmm. uh, accordingly. They need to know that. And I think, I think vapors should donate to the Astra Fighting Fund. We'll sure. fight for them. Sure. And I think they should just be heard. Whenever some rubbish comes up in the media, they need to write a letter or write a response. And on local radio, when again, there's, there's something to be challenged, be heard because people need to know that there are real people out there who are relying on this as a life-saving alternative and we need to um, keep that alive. Yeah, but look, I totally agree. Very well said. Colin Mendelson. Well, we didn't have any more Super Chat. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you. Let's have a little round of applause for uh, for, the, for the great and wise Colin Mendelson out of Australia. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to be here. Uh, I'll continue to promote uh, Australian Tobacco Harm Reduction Association as much as I can. You know, uh, like I was saying earlier, it's a very global fight. And even being around Twitter on like World Vape Day, you could see... Like, here's the South Africa Vapors Alliance. Here's the this Vapors Alliance. Here's the Indonesian group. Here's the British group. And it all felt like we were part of something real big and real global. And I think that's one of the things that we really have going for us, you know? So, uh, again, thank you so much, Colin Mendelson. If you just want to hang out on this Zoom call real quick while I take us out, that would be great. I'll have links down in the description, you guys, for... Colin Mendelson's website, Authra. Wait, where did my logo go? There it is. Colin Mendelson's website, uh, the Australian Tobacco Harm Reduction Association website, where you can go, where you can donate, where you can get involved. Uh, I'll have a link for Authra and Colin Mendelson on Twitter as well. Trying to get as many people as you can on Twitter to be a part of this, to tweet at NBC when they post incorrect information, to tweet at the American Lung Association when they post incorrect information. I have a whole section on grimgreen.com, you guys, that's just advocacy uh, links and studies. There's there's hundreds of studies and art news articles from the New York Times talking about vaping, from large organizations talking about vaping, but I love it that you guys are part of the fight. And like Colin said, it's just gonna be uh it's just gonna be a long uphill battle. So I think we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. One more time, huge thank you to Colin Mendelson. Thank you guys for coming out. I'll see you back here Thursday. It's gonna be vlog day, and I think it's gonna be a good one. Thank you very much, Billy. I really appreciate that. So in the meantime, uh take care of yourselves, be excellent to each other. Okay, everybody? Peace. Peace.